on, everybody? Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by 2K Sports. Buy some VC and get some threes. Oh, yeah. That's what we'll be doing after this. But it's episode 158. And Twitter's out of Mac Sports. Instagram is also out of Mac Sports. TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports. Uh, I'm excited here. Week two is in the books. NFL season. A brutal week for injuries, man ridiculous uh and nasty injuries too knocking dudes out for the season uh just like mm-hmm. we saw in week one uh and then of course a little bit of college football in the second half too yeah we'll we'll get into the injuries here in a few minutes but before that let's get into our openers as we always do and i gotta go with the saints starting off 2-0 uh obviously it's good to see their card getting wins uh, i know we'll hop into the game specifically a bit later as we recap each game uh throughout this past week but this stat from Josh Jubo, I don't know if you get, know this guy. He tweets about Derek Carr a lot. Uh, he works for Associated Press. He said the Raiders okay. were 7-62 and 62 with Derek Carr at QB when scoring 20 points or fewer. The Saints are 2-0. and So you can kind of see the difference with Derek Carr and having a defense now where he doesn't have to play his best game in order to get a victory. And that's what we've seen in these first two games in New Orleans for him. Is he got that win last night against the Panthers in Carolina and then also week one against the Saints or not the Saints against the Titans. Yeah. Great start for new Orleans, man. Uh, I'm going to go with some college football here. The seven o'clock ESPN game on Saturday night, Colorado taking down Colorado state. This one was really chippy. There were so many celebrities there. Travis Hunter was actually knocked out of this game with a liver injury. He's going to miss the next couple of weeks. But Shudder Sanders did it without him. A 98 yard drive to force OT and they won it in double OT. Great game from Shadur, man. Four touchdowns without his best friend, teammate, number one wide receiver, and number one corner. That's a, a pretty epic win, even though Colorado State's not uh, particularly great at football. It's still cool. Yeah, uh, that was a great game to watch. And it was the one game I really had my eyes peeled for this past week in college football. Colorado's got the nation in the, the palm of their hands right now with the stuff that they're doing. And it's only going to get bigger and bigger over these next few weeks, especially if they keep on winning, because they got Oregon this week and then USC the week after that. Let's go ahead and get into, uh, I don't know about if this is where your head at yet, but uh, the week two injuries, we did this last week where we kind of just went over the, you know, the key injuries throughout mm-hmm. the week and kind of the status for a lot of those guys. OBJ, uh, obviously now on the Ravens, uh, he had an ankle injury and it was ruled out in the second half of Sunday's game against the Bengals except John Harbaugh said it wasn't serious. So that's a good sign there. Maybe a week or two for him. Micah Hyde, star safety for the Bills, had a hamstring injury against the Raiders and did not return. For the Bears, Eddie Jackson and Darnell Mooney got hurt. After the Cowboys, Zach Martin came out of the game against the Jets. However, he's completely fine. It was just precautionary measure for him. Uh, David Montgomery got hurt. In about, I think it was the third quarter of that game for the Lions against the Seahawks. Uh, of course, Anthony Richardson had a concussion. So, based off of how that goes, we'll see how he does in the coming weeks. Uh, Devontae Adams got hit late in the game in the blowout against the Bills, evaluated for concussion. He's good to go. He should be fine next week. Uh, Jalen Waddle was ruled out late in Sunday's game to be checked for a concussion. Uh, we don't really know exactly too much of what's going on there, but I haven't heard too much bad. So yeah. maybe he's fine. Who knows? Uh, Saquon Barkley is a big one that we saw on Sunday in the Giants game over the Cardinals. 
he had a, I think it was a sprained ankle is what the actual diagnosis was. It wasn't anything super, super serious, but they're looking about a three-week timetable for him. Uh, Tariq Woolen got hurt against the Lions, hurt his uh, chest and shoulder, according to Pete Carroll, but he said he would be fine. Uh, and then on Monday night, we did see a couple big injuries starting off with Shaq Thompson, star linebacker for the Panthers, broken fibula. He will be out for the rest of the year. He got surgery already this morning. And then, of course, uh, if you don't know about the injury already, then you haven't watched any football because Nick Chubb got hurt last night. Did not look good. Knee bent completely backwards. Uh, didn't even wait for the diagnosis to roll him out for the season to Kevin Stefanski. So a big loss for the Browns. We'll talk more about them later, but they did bring in an old friend to have a visit today. That's Kareem Hunt. Yeah. So perhaps an option for him to be, you know, get his old spot back. And now he has the backfield pretty much to himself, but maybe you got to watch out for Jerome Ford because he had a big game last night against the Steelers defense. That's pretty high, pretty highly touted, uh, but we'll go ahead and get into the games now. Unless there's any other injuries that you wanted to add that I didn't talk about. No, that's that's it right there. All good. Let's go ahead and start off with the Thursday game. It was a rematch of the Week 2 Thursday night game last year, and it didn't end up in the quite same result, but the Eagles still got the victory 34-28 to over the Minnesota Vikings. Kirk Cousins, his stats are pretty crazy in the first two weeks of the year for a QB who's 0-2. He had 364 yards and four touchdowns, no picks. Biggest problem for Minnesota is that they couldn't get the run game going only 28 rushing yards on the ground over nine carries, so they couldn't do anything there, but being down for most of the game kind of warranted that. Justin Jefferson, another big game, no 11 for 159. TJ Hawkinson had two touchdowns on seven catches for 66 yards. Jordan Addison, second straight game in his NFL career with a big touchdown. Four fumbles for the Minnesota Vikings was kind of the big thing here on how they lost this game. Defense didn't play terrible. Daniel Hunter had three sacks. Uh, but when you turn over the ball four times, it's going to be pretty tough to win a game. On the Philly side of the ball, Julian Hurts was okay. 18 for 23, 193, one touchdown, one interception. But it was DeAndre Swift who really had a big game here. Had a career high rushing yards at 175 over 28 carries and a touchdown. From having one carry in week one to 28 carries in week two is something. Maybe that's how Philly wants to handle their backfield. Uh, just kind of rotate backs and see how it goes there. A.J. Brown had a small game, but that's fine because Devonta Smith had a big game, though, four catches, 131 yards, and a touchdown. I don't have too much to say about this game. This is kind of how I expected this to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not pressing the panic button or anything like that for Minnesota because I think that division is not going to be too crazy to win. And Philly didn't play the greatest, but they got the win, and that's what matters. I think the one thing I'm going to be watching for Minnesota these next couple of weeks is that they could hop off the ship here and enter rebuild mode. Uh, yeah, we know Kirk Cousins probably not coming back. So if they're two and six at the deadline, there's a chance he gets traded. Honestly, because uh, we know Justin Jefferson is going to get his extension. He's going to be the highest paid receiver, and they don't really have the money for Kirk Cousins. Um, Obviously, Madison's not getting the job done. It's unfortunate. I like Minnesota. It just doesn't seem like they have it this year. And uh, they got to hope they, they stay in the race here or, or some guys are going to get traded. Yeah, I was, uh, this Minnesota team's kind of been around for a while as far as like just being a team that's there. In the NFC, obviously, they haven't had too many 
times where they've been, you know, legitimate contenders. I know they went to the NFC Championship game a few years ago against the Eagles when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, but that's now at this point, what? That's a while ago. Five, six years ago at this point. Uh, made the playoffs last year, but got kicked out in that first game against the Giants. A rebuild definitely could be in store for the uh, Minnesota Vikings here in the near future. Let's move on to the Sunday window now, early morning, and the Raiders got killed early morning. It was 38-10 mm. uh, for the Bills, their big victory, home debut for the season. Uh, Jimmy G for the Raiders didn't play the greatest. Uh, if you look at the stat line, he didn't play the greatest if you watch the game either. Uh, 16 for 24, 185 yards, touchdown, two picks. Uh, leading rusher for the Raiders was Trey Tucker, wide receiver who had one carry for 34 yards on a jet sweep. Jacobs was held in check in this game, to say the least. Nine carries for negative two yards. Didn't really have any holes to run the ball. So I wasn't really upset with his performance specifically because it was really tough to get things going on the line of scrimmage there. Devontae did what Devontae does to find a way to have a game. Six catches for fifty for 84 yards and a touchdown. Jacobs did have some yards in the air with 51 receiving yards. And Hunter Renfro had his first catch of the season for 23 yards. Uh, as far as it took him this long to get that first catch, though, for the Bills, their offense was near perfect. Josh Allen, 31 for 37, 274, three touchdowns, no picks. Good for a QB rating of 124.5. James Cook looked great as well, too. 17 carries, 123 yards, along with 36. Damian Harris and Latavius Murray both had touchdowns on the ground. Gabe Davis was the main guy for Josh Allen. Six catches, 92 yards, touchdown. Khalil Shakir also had a touchdown on this one, as well as Dawson Knox. This is a good all-around game for the Bills. They didn't have any sacks, so I guess the good thing Mm. for the Raiders there is Jimmy G hasn't been sacked in two games, so that's, I guess, a good thing. Uh, But when you're getting killed 38-10, to it's not really anything to write home about. But big game for the Bills. Needed to bounce back from a week one loss, and as a Raider fan, I'm not too worried because I knew this game was going to be tough going into it. Yeah, you know Buffalo was going to be really pissed off after Monday night. Um, they choked that one, and they made some really bad decisions, uh, especially Josh Allen. So knowing that they they are able to go back to the ground and pound, and they honestly, they, they took all their anger out in the trenches on the Raiders here. Like you said, stuffing the run. And James Cook, 123 yards. I mean, he, he hadn't had more than eight carries in his entire career at any level in a game before. So um, definitely worries me as a Jets fan next time we face him. But... Buffalo's legit. That's for sure. Um, and I, I'm sorry you had to go into Buffalo and take that beating, but uh, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, I expected it. We got a Sunday night football now against the Steelers just next week, which should be interesting. At home, probably going to be a lot of Steelers fans. Up, so we'll see how that actually turns out. Uh, next game, the Packers go into Atlanta and lose. 25-24, to 24, big dub for the Falcons. Let's go over the Packers side first. Jordan Love. 14 for 25, 151 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Kind of a similar game to last week where he didn't have a lot of yards, didn't have a ton of completions, but found his way to get his touchdowns. And that's kind of the main thing I'm looking at for Jordan Love here. He gets six touchdowns already in these first two weeks, but the yardage isn't anything more than like 400 at this point. Uh, it was no uh, Aaron Jones because we know that he got hurt last week. So it was A.J. Dillon as the main guy in the backfield, 15 carries for 55 yards. Nothing too crazy to write off home or out there. Receiving side, Jaden Reed, two touchdowns and four catches, 37 yards. 
Dontavian Wicks, that's another name there. Two catches, 40 yards, and a touchdown. Led the way in receiving for Green Bay as they kind of have this new, brand new receiving core that they've been experimenting with, especially with Christian Watson out in these first couple of games. The defensive side for Green Bay didn't really do much. Rasul Douglas did have a pick, though. And that was early in that one. On the other side of the ball, Desmond Ritter finds a way to win at home. Again, he still hasn't lost at home in his entire career college or NFL. Again, the stats though don't really jump off the page to 19 for 32, 237, one touchdown, one pick. Bijan had an absolute game. 19 carries for 124 yards, as well as four catching for 40, 48 yards in the passing game as well, too. Al Jair got a lot of carries as well. 16 carries for 48 yards. That's kind of what that land is going to do to you. They had 45 carries and over 200 yards on the ground in this one. And they get the victory. That's the big thing for Atlanta. I'm not, you know, saying Atlanta's going to be a competitor or anything like that when it comes to Super Bowl time. But they can definitely make it interesting in the division with New Orleans. Absolutely. I think that Atlanta's offense has the highest upside of this entire division. And that's why I've been rolling with them. I do also like New Orleans. Like you, I... I guess I'm just a little hesitant. Their run game hasn't been as good. We saw Tony Jones had to step in last night, and he played pretty well. But he's a third stringer. He, he's no Bijan Robinson, you know. And and I was a little worried about this at first. Maybe you know Tyler Algier, great back, losing carries. How how is everyone going to react? But uh, we finally get to see the Atlanta offense going pretty much uh, whatever they want to do against the Green Bay defense. It's, it's a great unit too. Green Bay is a, a great defensive unit, so good good job, Atlanta. 2-0 is legit. Yeah. yeah. And don't worry, Bucks fans. I know you're 2-0 as well, too. We'll talk mm-hmm. to you guys a little bit later here. Uh, but we got to go to the AFC side and talk about Baltimore and Cincinnati as Baltimore goes into Cincinnati and takes on the Bengals, a rematch of that postseason game last year that had some craziness in it with a 99-yard fumble return from uh, – Oh um, man, who was playing QB for the Ravens that game? Was it Tyler Hundley? I think he fumbled it. But uh, Ravens get the revenge here, I guess, if you want to call it that. Uh, 24 for 33 for Lamar, 237, two touchdowns, no picks. So a bit of a better game than what we saw last week from him. Gus Edwards is the main guy on the ground, 10 carries for 62 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Lamar obviously got some carries. Justice Hill was in there. And then Devin Duvernay and Zay Flowers also got a touch of the ball on the ground as well, too. Nelson Aguilar. Led the way for the Ravens receiving-wise. Five catches, 63 yards, and a touchdown. Zay Flowers had another decent game. Four catches and 62 yards. Mark Andrews, his season debut, five catches for 45 yards and a touchdown. And then Odell did have three catches and 29 yards before he ended up getting hurt in this one. Ravens defense did just enough in this one, holding the back Cincinnati. Joe Burrow, his offensive day went 27 for 41, 222. Two touchdowns and a pick, so not again, not the greatest game from Joe Burrow. Obviously a bit better than last week, but that's not saying much. Joe Mixon on the ground, 59 yards, decent game, whatever. Uh, Cincinnati receiving side, Jamar Chase had a disappointing game for five catches and 31 yards, but T. Higgins, he did his job, eight catches, 89 yards, and two touchdowns. Tyler Boyd had a decent game as well, too. Uh, no sacks. Cincinnati, so they couldn't get to Lamar Jackson this one. I mean, Cincinnati, like, are you worried about these guys right now? Are the Ravens just getting the job done? But it's two losses and two divisional games for Cincinnati in the first two weeks of the season. I am worried about Cincinnati, and uh, 
I will be talking about them a little later when we talk about our uh, our underwhelming teams so far. So I'll focus on Baltimore for right now, mm-hmm. at least. Uh, Lamar looked so much more comfortable in the pocket um, against Houston. I was definitely worried because it's uh, it's a rookie defensive scheme there, and uh, and it was scary. No running back, no Dobbins. They still got the job done. Gus Edwards. Uh, it, it's like you said, the divisional wins are massive. Um, it, it's a big, big head start for them in, in such a close division. Yeah, it's. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, Cincinnati. We will see them on Monday Night Football this next week against the Rams, who have been pretty surprising as well, too. So. Yeah. We'll see how that game goes. That'll be on Monday night, the second Monday night game, I believe. I think that's the late one. Uh, moving on, another rematch of a game that we saw last year that was a crazy game. Seattle going into De- into Detroit, coming out victorious in overtime, 37-31. to 31. This game had it all, man. It was a fun one to watch. I was tuning in this one back and forth after you know the Raiders kind of got out of it. Geno Smith had a big bounce back game, and that's kind of the main thing that I saw here. Geno, 32 for 41, 328, two touchdowns, no picks, QB rating of 116.3, QBR 78.8. So good game there for him. Kenneth Walker had two touchdowns on the ground, only 43 yards zone, 17 carries. Receiving core kind of went to everybody in this one. DK had six catches. Tyler Lockett had eight catches with two touchdowns. Fant had three well, Disley had three. Jackson Smith had five. So good job by Geno spreading the ball around. A couple of fumble recoveries for Seattle was a big defensive plays in this one. Trey Brown had a big game as well, too, uh, with a pick and a sack, uh, as well as a, I think it was a pick six that he had for his pick. So good job by Trey Brown on having a big game. For Detroit, Jared Goff looked okay. I don't think he really had the game that he was expecting to have, but still – you know, 28 for 35, 323, three touchdowns and a pick. So good showing from him there. Detroit rushing the ball. David Montgomery had a good game, good game before he ended up getting hurt. Jameer Gibbs did not have the same explosive game that we saw from him in flashes last week against Kansas City. Only 17 yards and seven carries for him. Uh, but he did have seven catches for 39 yards in the passing game. So that's good. Amon Ross St. Brown went over the 100 mark. Josh Reynolds had two touchdowns. Sam Laporta, big game from him. Five catches, 63 yards for the rookie tight end. But the fumbles from David Montgomery and Amon Ross St. Brown were the big ones that kind of led to Detroit losing this one. Good bounce back one from Seattle. They needed this after the showing last week that they had against the Rams. And Detroit, I mean... One and one through two games. You can't be really too mad with that. The order that they came in probably wasn't the you know, way that you expected it. You know, yeah. winning at Kansas City and then coming home and losing your home opener with all these fans that are super riled up. But I'm not too worried if I'm a Detroit fan. And I'm pumped if I'm a Seahawks fan for getting this win. Big bounce back win against the Lions. Both teams will be neck and neck at the end in the NFC. So... Great job for Gino here. Big game, like you said, man. Uh, he really needed it because big theme early in the season, you don't want to lose those those home divisional games. And that's what happened against the Rams last week for Seattle. Uh, both teams have young secondaries, so I'm not going to overreact about the big numbers, but uh, but good job for, for Gino here, getting the job done. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. uh, you just got to force OT. Crazy things will happen. Yeah, I think last week was a shocker for both of us with Seattle and their offensive showing. So getting to see this 
whether you call Detroit's defensive group the best or, or you know, mediocre or whatever you want to call it. Good job by Gino and the Seahawks to get that victory in Detroit. AFC matchup next to the Chargers going to Tennessee and they lose an OT against the Titans 27 to 24. Start off in the not San Diego side, the Los Angeles side. Justin Herbert, of course, playing QB for the Chargers 27 for 41, 305, two touchdowns, no picks. This was a game with no Austin Eckler. So seeing how Kellen Moore navigates an offense without their biggest weapon was going to be interesting. And this is how he did it. Joshua Kelly, who had a big game last week, did not have a big game here. Did have 13 carries, though, but only 39 yards in this one. Keenan Allen was the focal point on offense for the Chargers and helping them stay in this game into overtime and almost getting the victory. But eight for 111 yards and two touchdowns for him, 10 targets. Mike Williams, 13 targets for him for the big man. Eight catches, 83 yards. Rest of the guys, he had one, two, three, four, five, six other guys that he targeted and caught a pass from as well, too. Five sacks for the Chargers defense, so good day for them after that no-sack performance against Miami last week. Kenneth Murray got in there. Tuli Tuapilopo, too. <laughs> His name is fun to say. I know I butchered that. Joey Bosa had a couple sacks. Morgan Fox got in there as well, too. Uh, Tennessee side, good bounce back game for them after their shitty offensive showing. Mainly Ryan Tannehill, only four complete, four incompletions, my bad. 20 for 24, 246, a touchdown and no picks. 25 carries for Derrick Henry, 80 yards. So he was kind of stuffed up, but got it done when he needed to with the touchdown that he had. Ty J Spears. Good showing from him. I know that's a guy that a lot of people like. Eight carries, 49 yards, so good job there. Tannehill also did have a rushing touchdown. Main guy in the receiving game wasn't really anybody, but if I had to pin it on somebody, it'd probably be Traylon Burks, who had three catches for 76 yards, the longest 70, so he had that big play there. Chris Moore had a 49-yard catch. Andre Hopkins, another slow game from what was supposed to be you know, the big offseason addition for these Tennessee Titans. Four catches and 40 yards there. Defense, just a good game. Nothing too crazy. They only had three sacks. Jeffrey Simmons, Danico Autry, and Harold Landry, so kind of the main guys that we see there for the people that get to the quarterback. For them, no picks. And this one, good bounce back for Tennessee. And, man, you kind of got to be worried for the Chargers starting off 0-2 in two games that they probably should have won. Yeah, um, Really disappointing start for the Chargers. And maybe this is uh, not completely their fault if you want to blame. Well, you know, the one week we don't have our running back is when we're going up against the best rush defense in the league. But I still don't care. We'll talk about the Chargers later, I'm sure. Um, So Tennessee, uh, they don't pop off the screen when they're playing. But when you have a veteran quarterback Mm -hmm. and a great head coach like Mike Vrabel, you can't kill them. They're always going to be lurking around and and they're going to be in the hunt, man. Great job on Derrick Henry. Uh, he seems like he's been solid ever since he's come back from the last injury. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ten- Tennessee's grinders. I think that's kind of the main thing that I point out with them. I think that they're, you know, not going to be this team that wins a ton of games uh, as far as like getting the playoffs and stuff like that. Maybe they sneak into a seventh spot, but I think they're also going to lose probably a game or two that you really expect them to win. So expect them to be pretty volatile, but playing a lot of close games throughout, you know, the beginning to the end of the season. We'll move into an NFC matchup. Uh, that's the Bears going into Tampa Bay and losing 27 to 17. Justin Fields, a pretty disappointing one here from a guy that we kind of expected to break out 
especially early in the season, and he hasn't done that yet. 16 for 29, 211 yards, one touchdown, and two picks. Running game wasn't there either. Only four carries for Justin Fields for three yards. He did have a touchdown, though. Receiving game, I guess DJ Moore, you know, he had 100 yards. But besides that, you weren't really seeing anybody else really have a big game for them. Uh, Justin Fields did have two fumbles, uh, recovered one of them. But still, you can't be fumbling the ball multiple times as a quarterback. Did have a big pick six late in this one to Shaq Barrett. He was the main guy on defense for the Buccaneers. Baker Mayfield, 2-0. Good start for him in Tampa, 26 for 34 in this one, 317 yards of touchdown and no pick. Rashad White had a good bounce back game from his slow game last week in Minnesota, 17 carries for 73 yards and a touchdown as well as five catches for 30 yards. I have him on my fantasy team, so I need him to be doing well. Mike Evans, though, big game for the guy who might be in his last year in Tampa Bay, you don't know. Uh, six catches, 171 yards and a touchdown. Buccaneers, man. Pretty surprising squad that they've got. And Chicago, what a just disappointing thing from uh, Justin Fields and the guys they got over there. Yeah, we figured this would be a good matchup for the Tampa Bay defense, but they really controlled this game both ways the entire way. 400 yards for the Tampa Bay offense is uh, is pretty pretty remarkable. Um, they couldn't even do that with Tom Brady last year. Mm. So Chicago is very bad. Uh, but also shout out Tampa Bay. I don't expect that they're going to keep this rolling, but again, it's it's so important to get off to a hot start. You don't have to do it, but especially in a close division where you don't really know what's going on in the South. Let's be honest. Uh, good job on Baker, man. He knows this is his last shot. Yeah. Everyone's going to matter for that division over there in the, in the NFC uh, South with the Buccaneers and everyone's going to matter for the bears as one well, as well too. So getting off to this Oh, and two start early in the season is definitely not ideal for them. Next up, the Chiefs and the Jags, man. Who is ready for this offensive production, man? I mean, <laughs> Trevor Lawrence, Patrick Mahomes, two of the best quarterbacks in the league that we're hoping. Maybe with Trevor Lawrence seeing that jump, but obviously Patrick Mahomes is at that level. And the Chiefs went 17 to 9. No touchdown in the game for the Jags, which was pretty shocking there. Uh, we'll start hopping to the Chiefs first. 29 for 41 for Patty Mahomes, 305 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. Running game, good with Pacheco. Besides that, it was pretty rough. So 12 for 70 with Pacheco with the long 31. Mahomes spreading the ball around in this one. He threw the ball to 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 different people in this one. Uh, I guess if you want to pick out a main guy, it was Sky Moore who had three catches for 70 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Kadaris Tony had five catches. That's a good point. Uh, Travis Kelsey did have a touchdown, but only four catches for 26 yards. They did just enough in this one uh, because Trevor Lawrence was not the greatest. 22 for 41, 216, no touchdowns, no picks. ETN really couldn't get it going on the ground either. 12 carries for 40 yards. Christian Kirk was the main guy in that Jags offense. 11 catches for 110 yards. Evan Ingram did have six catches, but Calvin Ridley, eight targets, only two catches in this one. So pretty disappointing there. I mean, again, for Jacksonville, we kind of expect one-on-one in the first two games of the season. This was going to be a tough one to win regardless. And it just, I mean, it probably got a lot tougher to win once Kansas City lost that opener in Detroit, or not in Detroit, against Detroit. 
So I'm not freaking out for the Jags, and it was a good bounce back win for Kansas City. Being the team that was a division winner last year, and they somebody who they played in the playoffs as well too. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, Kansas City earned some respect here for coming in on the road and making Jacksonville play their style. They wanted to play a little slower. Uh, it, it didn't work out last week in Detroit. They got some of their guys back, Kelsey and Chris Jones specifically, and uh, and that helps. Jacksonville's a great team. You don't want to fall asleep when you're playing on the road against those teams, and they didn't. Got the job done. Um, Calvin Ridley, big mystery. Like you said, a couple of them were close, you know, but you got to keep your feet in bounds, man. Yeah. I expect we'll see that connection grow and grow as yeah. time goes on. Only their second game together, but after that first game against Indianapolis, I mean, we expected them to kind of just roll from there. And to see that have a little break was uh, pretty interesting, to say the least. The shit show. The Colts going up against the Texans, a game that I barely watched, but I, of course I saw this score going up, up and seeing the different things that were going on in this one. Indianapolis side starting off with Anthony Richardson before he got hurt. Six uh, completions, 10 attempts, 56 yards, no touchdowns, no picks, but did have two touchdowns on the ground. So that's a good sign there. Uh, Gardner Minshew came in and played very well, I think is the main point here. 19 for 23, 171, and a touchdown, no picks. Zach Moss on the ground with no Jonathan Taylor, of course. 18 carries, 88 yards, and a touchdown. So filled in exactly how you would want for a guy like that. Michael Pittman, main guy on offense uh, as far as receivers go. Eight catches, 56 yards. Everybody else was kind of just, you know, a side piece in the offense, if you want to call it that. Good win for the Colts. They put up 31 points in this one. They had six sacks. So that's a big game. Shout out EJ Speed, one of our favorite guys in the league. Um, Next inside, though. Got to be encouraged with what you saw from C.J. Stroud. 30 for 47, 384 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, probably the biggest thing there. Already has more 300-yard passing games than Justin Fields does. So that's a pretty interesting stat that I saw over the weekend. Damian Pierce got shut down in this one. That's probably the main thing for the Texans on what's going into next week is you got to get him going. 15 carries for 31 yards is not it. Nico Collins, career game, seven catches, 146 yards and a touchdown. Tank Dell, big game as well, too. Seven catches, 72 yards and a touchdown. Good offensive game for the Texans. Uh, Defenses didn't do anything. That's probably the main thing there. But a good one for the Colts. I don't expect these teams really to do anything, though, when it comes down to it. No, not this season. But good for us. Uh, They'll be playing against each other every year, twice, or eternity so we'll be able to see some some pretty crazy and fun offensive matchups here it's unfortunate to see richardson go down like that he's uh looked pretty promising so far but you can't take those hits and uh yeah, you course. know trevor lawrence tried to tell him last week hasn't learned yet but i'm sure now he does um and i'll also stroud looks awesome i'll talk a little bit more about uh, the texans later too yeah they're definitely going to see some fun offensive games in these coming years with uh, Anthony Richardson and C.J. Stroud not being the, the main guys in those franchises. Moving into the afternoon window, at least for, for us in you know, California, San Francisco taking on the – not the Niners, taking on the Rams in L.A., but it felt like it was in San Francisco with how the crowd was in this one. It was a Niner home crowd. Starting off with SF, 17 for 25, 206, no touchdowns, no picks for Brock Purdy. So just did what he needed to do. Uh, CMC pick came again, 20 carries, 116 yards, and a touchdown. 
So it was three catches and 19 yards in the air. Debo had a touchdown on the ground. Brock Purdy had a rushing touchdown. So, you know, SF did what they did and just spread the ball around. Their defense was solid. You know, you don't really see the sacks up there. Fred Warner was the only one that got one, but it did come at a big time where they needed it. Uh, interceptions, couple picks, the Amador Lenore and Isaiah Oliver, his first Niners interception. And then for the Rams, you know, really interesting game here on offense. They took everything short that the Niners were giving them. Stafford threw the ball 55 times, had 307 yards, a touchdown and a pick or two picks. Kyron Williams stepping into the main guy in, in this offense on the ground game, 14 carries for 52 yards and a touchdown as well as six catches and 48 yards and a touchdown through the air. But Puka Nakua, man, how about this dude? We thought his game last week was amazing. This one only was better. 15 catches, 147 yards, 20 total targets is insane. 2-2 Atwell, another big game though. Seven catches, 77 yards. But for this Rams team, is Puka, like, is he going to be this dude? Or is this only going to be while Cooper Cup's there? Uh, or while Cooper Cup is out, and then we see him come back in these couple of weeks, and Puka just turns into a three-catch guy. So what do you think with Puka? Um, I, I guess we could talk about the Niners as well, too. They look pretty damn good. Well, first of all, as a fifth-round pick, to break the record for the most catches in his first two games, is that's incredible. Uh, I did not know much about Puka Nakua, but he looks mm-hmm. great so far. Um, yeah. Honestly, I think this says more about Sean McVay and Matt Stafford, that uh, once – those two are healthy, locked in, together, have a good team surrounding them. Uh, anything's possible. So shout out to San Francisco for getting the job done. That was a great game from them. Uh, they easily could have lost this one. We've been talking about the the divisional games early in the season all day. And uh, and this is big. Two big road games against good teams. So uh, mm-hmm. great work. And I'm going to say that they can coexist, but he's not going to have 15 catches. Yeah, the 20 targets is definitely going to go down. But uh, it's been fun to watch the trying to come up with a little insanity name, but I can't really think of one because he's been he's been nuts in these first two games. What can he do in week three is the question. Hopping into the second game that afternoon window, the Giants get a big win against the Cardinals in the game that they came back in uh, 31 to 28. Big second half comeback like we were just or like I was just saying, thirty-one points in the second half for the Giants compared to the Cardinals eight after twenty nothing halftime deficit for them. Daniel Jones, good back uh bounce pack game for him, twenty-six for thirty-seven, three hundred and twenty-one yards, two touchdowns and a pick, as well as nine carries for fifty-nine yards and a touchdown on the ground. Saquon before he got hurt, seventeen carries, sixty-three yards and a touchdown. Matt only had one carry, but we assume that will go up. And then he's coming weeks of Saquon being out for a couple of games. Receiving really just kind of spread it around. But Jalen Hyatt did have a big game uh, for his two catches that he had. He did have 89 yards. Darren Waller kind of the, should be the main point of their passing offense. Six catches, 76 yards for him. Isaiah Hodges and Saquon's had the touchdowns through the air. Their defense got it done when it needed to be done, but they didn't have any sacks, fumbles, or interceptions. Uh, Arizona side, I thought Josh Dobbs looked good. I had this game on a little bit because it was kind of one of the few games I was able to watch on Sunday Ticket, being where I was uh, and what was available for me. But Josh Dobbs looked decent, 21 for 31, 228 yards, a touchdown, no picks. Also had three carries for 41 yards and a touchdown there. James Conner looked good, 23 carries, 106 yards, and a touchdown. 
receiving, nothing too crazy. Zach Ertz and Marquise Hollywood Brown both had six catches, 56, 54 yards. Hollywood did have the touchdown. Kind of what we expect from Arizona. Maybe be close in a game and then lose late because that's what they need to do in order to secure a pick. I'm not impressed with this for the Giants. I think in this game, just barely winning against a team like Arizona is not something that you want to be doing. So still not giving props to the Giants and the Cardinals, I guess. Good job at getting done what you designed to have done at the beginning of the season. I agree, man. The Giants are walking in dangerous waters right now. They definitely should have lost this one. And I think Arizona is the worst roster in the league. Although, like you said, we agree here with Arizona, too. It, it's not Dobbs' fault. It's not James Conner's fault. I don't even think it's Hollywood's fault, even though you know you could say what you want about his production over the past uh, season. But uh, the Giants absolutely needed this one because they would have been on every single list for, uh, you know, watch this team because they're about to implode. Uh, yeah. I would still again, say watch It was a good game from Danny Dimes. You know, it, it wasn't a bad game. It's... I just I don't know what it is about them. I, I didn't predict them to be very good this season. I don't think you did either. No, but um no. it's you uh, know, especially if, if you're gonna mistake one for a couple of weeks. And hey, I've had two ankle sprains in the past couple of months now. I will tell you what, you know, Saquon out three weeks. I was in bed for two weeks after spraining my ankle. I so I don't talk shit about those anymore. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he's gonna be hurting it. And they play on Thursday against the Niners, so we can already, kind of already see how that game's going to be. Maybe a Matt Breida revenge game if everything goes well for them. But uh, I doubt that there. We'll hop into the Giants' biggest rival, their game, the Dallas Cowboys. They took care of business against the Jets. I know Skyler's not going to be happy about this one. Zach Wilson did not look good, even though it was against the top-tier defense. Only 12 completions in 27 attempts. 170 yards, a touchdown, and the three interceptions. Three interceptions, of course. Run game did not look good. Brees Hall, Michael Carter, and Dalvin Cook all had under double-digit uh, yards and, of course, carries as well, too. Ashton Davis? I don't know. That had to have been a pick punt. Yeah. Right? Okay. That was our Six. first first down of the game. Ah. Yeah. Garrett Wilson did have a big touchdown in this one, though. Two catches, 83 yards with that 68-yard tud. Tyler Conklin the only other person who had more than two catches or the only person who had one than two catches total in this offense, five catches for 50 yards there. Dalvin Cook fumbled. Defense was on the field most of the game, so you can't really pin this on them. Dak Prescott, though, did look solid. 31 for 38, 255 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Tony Pollard was kind of just a bell cow guy. Not a ton of big carries, but 25 carries for 72 yards there. Uh, Dallas receiving CD lamb had a huge game, 11 catches for 143 yards there. Tony Pollard did get over the total hundred yards threshold. Actually, no, he didn't wait. Yeah, he did. Never mind. Uh, seven catches, 37 yards in the air there. Besides that, I mean, there's not really too much in the Dallas offense going on. Michael Parsons, big game, two sacks, four QB hits, pass deflection as well, too. Good game for Dallas. We kind of expected this going in, though, with with how things were going with the Jets and the offense last week. Yeah. Um, I, I'll try to get through this as quickly as possible. But obviously, I watched this entire game. I can help fill in the spaces that people are unfamiliar with, with what happened. Uh, pretty much, Dallas is elite. And uh, 
The Jets were also really bad in this game too. So it's hard to pick a side here. I'm just going to go somewhere in the middle because they couldn't block Micah Parsons, but no one Not can. Not people can, yeah. They couldn't run the ball and they, they gave up on it. There was a, a, a moment in this game where it was a one possession game in the second quarter. Uh, Sauce dropped a pick six and then the defense had a, a phantom John Franklin Myers a rough in the passer that I, I still don't know what they saw on it. And then it gave them an extra eight minutes on their drive and that killed the defense. They were on the field for 42 minutes. Like you said, um, Zach looked, looked a lot better than he did against Buffalo, but it's still not good enough. And, uh, and if they lose to new England, they're going to lose the locker room 100%. Um, so we need to figure something out right now. Sauce wants to follow the top receiver that would have helped stop CD lamb because Michael Carter, our great corner that not a lot of people know about got injured and Brandon Eccles got cooked 11 straight times by CD lamb. That's pretty much how it went. And it was really hard to watch because our scheme is very stubborn and we want to keep our guy in their zone. And, uh, and I think it's time to make some adjustments because uh, this obviously isn't uh, your ordinary season for the jets. Uh, let's not waste this one. Okay. Yeah. Good job of the Cowboys, though. They take care of business versus Sorry both, for my of the, rant, of course. both of the New York teams uh, with point differential 70 to 10. So good job by them. Cowboys look good going into week three. Moving on, though, another NFC East team, the Washington Commanders. Start off 2-0. Big win in Denver against now the 2-0 or 0-2. My bad, Denver Broncos. Sam Howell, big game for him. And I really liked watching him play, especially in the second half of this one. 27 for 39. 299 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Brian Robinson Jr. took over the backfield in this one. 18 carries for 87 yards, two touchdowns, as well as two catches for 42 yards. So about 130 total yards for him. Terry McLaurin had a touchdown in this game. Logan Thomas had a touchdown in this game. Besides that, Sam Howell did a really good job of spreading the ball around to everybody in this offense. Big-time defensive game for Washington when it came down to its seven sacks. I know Deron Payne had a huge drive where he had a sack, tackle for a loss, and then a pass deflection all on three consecutive plays and kind of got the ball back right for the commanders really, really quick. 14 QB hits in this one, so good job by that defensive line in Washington. That is probably the best part of their team. Russell Wilson, though, still had a solid game. 18 completions for 32 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick over 308 yards. Also 56 yards on the ground, so good to see Russ running the ball if you like seeing that. Javante Williams, only 12 carries. I think that's probably something else that the Broncos didn't do too well. They were up big. I don't say up big, but they were up for most of this game, and they just didn't get the ball to him much. Uh, Jaleel McLaughlin had a touchdown, so whoever that is, shout out to you. Uh, Marvin Wins had two catches in this one, and they were both big catches early in the game. Two catches for 113 yards and a touchdown. Brandon Johnson, two catches and two touchdowns for him. Cortland Sutton, five for 66. Jerry Judy, his season debut, three catches, 25 yards. Uh, decent defensive day as far as sacks go for the defense. Uh, they had four sacks this week. They didn't get any last week, so I guess that's an improvement there. But 35 points to the Washington Commanders. I mean, come on now. Yeah. Broncos cooked. Are the Commanders decent? I mean, what do you see here from this game? I, w- I got to ask you something. So I was watching the end of this game while talking with my dad and DJ on Sunday night. Mm-hmm. And 
as Russell Wilson's driving down the field on the last drive of the game, right before the Hail Mary, I just, it, it doesn't even seem like a live game to me. It seems like I'm watching a game from 2010, just because I, I felt like in the back of my mind, even if they get down there, Russell's still going to fuck this up somehow. And even though he didn't end up fucking it up, there was a call that probably should have been holding on the two point conversion. He's, he went down there on the Hail Mary, Tebow-esque. He did that a little bit uh, with his time in Denver, and then they would end up losing the game. Anyways, and that's exactly what happened. So am I crazy for saying that? They're all like, you, you're an idiot, man. What are you talking about? I mean, it's kind of a game that doesn't have a ton of excitement associated Maybe with it, why. where the Commanders and Broncos are kind of just, we know regardless of what happens, these two teams are pretty much mid. So I think the, you know, not having... Any skin in the game is probably the biggest thing there as far as not, okay. not really having the emotion. Because, I, I mean, I knew the Broncos were going to lose this one. I knew it was just a matter of time for that, that team to implode. And I'm happy that it's happened because I absolutely hate those guys. But, but Lynchy uh, looks really bad, by the way, when I was watching gosh. that game. He was hopping all over the place, false starts on the same drive multiple times. Like, oh, man. He, look, he looks terrible. And he is terrible. Uh, what happened to Sunday night, though? Dolphins get another big road win here in New England. Uh, 24-17. Tua played decent. 21 for 30. 249 yards of touchdown in the pick. Raheem Mostert, big game on the ground. Man. 18 carries, 121 yards, and two touchdowns. Receiving game wasn't anything crazy, of course, with Tua having another 250 yards. Way different than last week. Pretty much 200 yards less in the passing game. Uh, John Waddle, though, four catches, 86 yards. Tyreek Hill had 40 yards and a touchdown. Uh, defense got the job done when it needed to. David Long, Jr., Bradley Chubb, Christian Wilkins, and Andrew Van Ginkle all had sacks in this one. Van Ginkle, top-tier name, by the way. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mac Jones, on the other side, we saw him throw the ball a lot last week, and we saw him throw it a lot again this week. 31, 42, 231 yards, uh, touchdown, and a pick. Reminder Stevenson really didn't have much to do in the ground game. 15 carries, 50 yards, so only 3.3 average, but without the touchdown, Zeke didn't get anywhere though. Only 13 carries and or 13 yards and five carries. Kind of, you know, New England special as far as who was the guy on offense receiving wise and sped it around. Devontae Parker, six catches, Hunter Henry, six catches, Mike Gasecki, five catches, Kendrick Warren, four catches, Juju, five catches. So no really main guy there, but they have five or six guys that are viable as far as people that you can throw it to. Uh, Cole Strange had zero receptions for three yards, according to ESPN. I don't really know exactly how that works. Yeah, he, but, he was uh, a lateral on the last play. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I didn't realize that those would tack on as receiving yards, but interesting there. Uh, Judon had a sack, so one of the best defensive players in the league gets his own, but besides that, they did not get to the quarterback. Christian Gonzalez did have his first career pick. I'm a big fan of him. Fortunately, him being in New England makes it so it's a bit harder to be a big fan of him, but I do like seeing Me him too, do man. good. <laughs> but New England falls to 0-2. Miami, two big road wins at the gate for this season. How about Miami, man? A little bit of a shocker there for me. Yeah, um, I'm going to try not to overreact, and maybe I'm being a hater. Maybe I am, because I'm not the world's biggest Dolphins fan. But it seems like Throughout the history of Miami, the smaller quarterbacks do fine in the summer. And then as soon as it gets cold, they completely collapse. So I'm still sticking with that blueprint here. I I imagine a very similar thing will happen to this offense. They just won't be as quick. 
and uh, and Tua won't be able to to make the same kind of throws he has been. But he has been doing a great job so far. We saw it, you know, even from the Chargers' defense to New England. It's a big difference here. Uh, New England did a much better job slowing him down. And shout out Christian Gonzalez. He's the number three ranked corner on PFF this season so far. Uh, yeah. So great job for him. Uh, Miami will keep an eye on for sure, but definitely a little better than we expected. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll, they'll, they'll come up in the surprising teams and stuff like that, but we'll see. Uh, moving into the Monday night games. We had two of them this week. We'll have two of them next week as well, too. Uh, first of which, Saints go into Carolina, get the dub, come out 2-0. Like I said in the opener, Derek Carr didn't play great, but he got the job done. 21 for 36, 228. No touchdowns and a pick. Rushing game was all over the place in this one, though. Taysom Hill was a leading rusher, nine carries, 75 yards. whole bunch of chunk plays for him was the main thing there. Tony Jones got the job done is the biggest thing here 12 carries 34 yards but two touchdowns only a line of six so a lot of short yardage there but thought the first downs when it needed to happen and got it obviously in the end zone a couple of times as well too jamal williams got hurt in this game that's why we didn't see him as the main back uh, but he also did have nine carries for 29 yards olave michael thomas had a couple of big catches in this one to help move the chains late in the game rashid shahid also had a big one too uh, but nothing too crazy uh, all in all, Paulson Adebo, a fumble recovery, four sacks for that New Orleans defense that's swarming the ball. Demario Davis, another big game. Love watching him plays. Stud, I know you know that as well, too. Yeah. Uh, Carolina side, Bryce Young looked better uh, than last week, I would say, but that's not really saying much because he looked terrible in his NFL debut. Uh, but this week, 22 for 33, 153 yards, a touchdown, no picks. Two carries, 34 yards. That was probably his biggest upside that I saw was his 26-yard run, but that's obviously not going to be something that we see consistently or consistently with him and how he plays the game of football with the size that he is. Uh, Miles Sanders, 14 carries, 43 yards, so nothing too crazy there. Carolina, uh, receiving game, feeling, you know, good showing from him. Seven catches, 54 yards, and a touchdown. That touchdown was... Uh, a way that we could kind of see Bryce Young mature as well, too, was a play that the read wasn't there at first, wasn't there second, kind of had to improvise and ended up finding Thielen while coming across uh, his body late in the play. So good job by Adam Thielen kind of helping to be that veteran guy for Bryce Young that, you know, rookie QBs need to have in their offense. Defense looks solid for Carolina. That's I think that's probably the biggest point that I have in this one. Uh, it's going to do good in some games where the offense isn't that great. And I know the Saints offense kind of appears to be decent. That's kind of the overwhelming appeal that people have or view that people have on them, but not a crazy group. But good job by Carolina's defense. Von Bell also had a pick. I'm not saying much about Carolina, but a good job by the Saints to win another ugly one. Yeah, they uh, got the job done again, as expected. Uh, pretty difficult, like you said, to move the ball here for both sides throughout the game. The big play that broke it open for New Orleans was the Chris Olave, one-handed catch down the sideline, bobbling. What a great play, man. It really gave him, I think, Derek Carr, too, the confidence to to finish this one out. Um, Carolina-wise, I wasn't impressed. I think it's going to be really difficult for Bryce Young to be an elite quarterback. Um you know, maybe this is because of how little experience he has, but the third and seven screen calls in a tie game is is just not doing it for me, man. 
you got to be better than that. And, uh, and I'm talking about Frank Reich and Josh McDaniels too. Sorry, excuse me. Um, uh, Josh McCown, not Josh McDaniels. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's for another day. (laughs) But, uh, New Orleans got it done. Really close matchup though, honestly. I mean, I, uh, like I said, I'm rolling with Atlanta still as of right now, but, uh, the Saints are, are very similar too. Yeah. Last game of week two, Browns and Steelers in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh wins an ugly one, 26 to 22, where both offense just did not look the greatest. Uh, starting off with Cleveland, 22 for 40, Deshaun Watson, 235, touchdown and a pick. Again, nothing too crazy from him. It starts to be the trend with him that we've seen over his uh, return from the suspension last year and what he's done since then. Drone forward, big game on the ground once Nick Chubb got hurt. 16 carries, 106 yards from him with a long of 69. Very nice. Uh, Nick Chubb, before he got hurt, 64 yards, but that's going to be the last that we see of Nick Chubb for this season and maybe a bit in the next year as well, too. Eh, maybe not with how early it happened, but we'll see. Uh, Mari Cooper, seven catches, 90 yards. He was the main guy on offense for Cleveland. Drone Ford also did have a receiving touchdown, too, so... Good job, Jerome Ford, for filling in for Nick Chubb when they needed it the most. Defense played well for Cleveland. I don't think this is something that you've got to be like, oh, crap. Like, they allowed 26 points in a divisional game. They did a good job. Grant Delpick had a pick. It was just the Pittsburgh defense that came up big when it needed it and the offense from Cleveland that didn't get the job done. Because if you look at Pittsburgh's offensive numbers, they are just terrible. And if I went, I go over these numbers and tell you them, you would think that they lose this game probably nine out of 10 times. And this was the one time that they get the dub. Pickett, 15 for 30, 222 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Najee Harris was. He's slow, man. Is that he was struggling, only 10 carries, 43 yards, and 55 total yards on the ground for Pittsburgh. Pickens had a big touchdown. That was kind of the changing point in this game. Four catches, 127 yards, and a touchdown for him, of course. But the two touchdowns for the Pittsburgh defense was probably the main thing there. Uh, Alex Highsmith had a touchdown, and I, for some reason, can't find the other one. But six sacks for the Pittsburgh defense. Joey Porter Jr. also had a pass breakup at the end of the game that helped them seal the victory. T.J. Watt had a sack. That was the other guy who had the touchdown, who had the fumble uh, recovery. So T.J. Watt got to be the early deploy favorite at this point after a couple big games. And a big win for Pittsburgh in a game that was ugly. You find a way to win, and that's what makes the good teams, you know, find ways in the playoffs uh, when this one is all said and done. How great is T.J. Watt, man? Like you said, I, I, it's really hard for me to choose between him and Micah Parsons for a depoy right now. So I'm just not going to choose yet. Um, but yeah, you know, Pittsburgh, to go. Oh yeah. Uh, Pittsburgh always seems to win the ugly ones again, like you said here. Um, but I'm still worried about them, man. You know, they, they claim to have this great chemistry. They're not going to overreact about things, but when the entire, you know, crowd is chanting to fire the OC because for the past two years now, they haven't been able to move the ball very well. It's not ideal. Cleveland also scares the crap out of me. Deshaun Watson has lost all of his uh, elite athleticism. It's He is in trouble. He's in uh, also walking in dangerous waters. Uh, but I guess I'll finish off here with uh, the biggest Steelers note that, that really bums me out here is that Jalen Warren looks so much more explosive than Najee Harris. Um, I think it was Colin Coward last night on uh, ESPN Radio maybe. 
I know he got fired from ESPN radio, but one of them, he said that, um, he loved watching Najee in the Bay area and Hey, me too. Uh, but, mm. but he just doesn't have it. And he thinks that he is the Zeke to the Tony Pollard, Jalen Warren. And I, I, I can't disagree with that right now. So that's yeah. going to be an interesting story to check up on. Cause obviously we, we like watching Najee, but he didn't have it last night. Yeah. It's unfortunate. That's going to do it for the week two recap, though. We'll hop into a segment that we have before, I guess you could call it the second half or halftime, where we look at college football. We're talking about our three most surprising teams and our three most disappointing teams two weeks into the season, Skyler. I'll let you go ahead and give you your three for surprising, and I'll go ahead and do my three from there. All right. I got an honorable mention. Uh, We'll shout out Dallas. That's a team that I would predict to go to the Super Bowl right now. And... uh, most people weren't willing to do that for the season. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to shout it out. Uh, we'll go with my number three most surprising team is going to be the Houston Texans. I know they're 0-2. I know. But D'Amico Ryan's defense looks great already in the first year of, of putting this new system in. They kept Lamar Jackson in check. And C.J. Stroud by far looks like the best rookie quarterback. Uh, so that's that's really interesting for me. Mm-hmm. Number two, I'm going to go with the Commanders. I'm not necessarily surprised about the 2-0, and but Sam Howell played great in Denver. The defense is finally healthy. They had seven sacks, like you said. Brian Robinson's a stud and a head start in a tough division. My yeah. number one team, most surprising, the Buccaneers. Baker looks really good. And Mike Evans and Devin White, they both demanded trades or allegedly did at the beginning of the year. They've all mm-hmm. taken those back. Uh, they said they're, they're buying in now. They're, they apologize for what they said. Uh, the defense is great. I doubt it lasts all season. But I did not expect to see them at the top here. For my three, I guess if I wanted to have an honorable mention, it would be the Rams. I think their ability to stay in the game with the Niners was pretty good. And to get that win week one was something big as well, too. So perhaps a bounce back year for them and maybe they find their way in the playoffs or, or in the race late is kind of something that's surprising me. Uh, my three, though. Number three, I'm going with the, the Dolphins. Starting off 2-0 and is really big. A couple of road victories, too. I know they were close games, so sometimes we see those games go back and forth as far as winning and losing. We saw it with the Vikings in the first two games of the year compared to last year. But Miami's got it done. They found a way to win in both these games, both on the road, and that's exactly what you have to do. So shout out Miami for a team that I thought was going to be pretty disappointing to their uh, preseason expectations for what people had for them. Next up, the Commanders starting off 2-0, like you said, isn't really the most surprising outcome, but how they did it is kind of something that is really, you know, making me look more into them. Sam Howell's been been good, uh, and that's kind of what they needed for him in order to be, you know, a competitor in the NFC. I know we're not saying this team is going to be, you know, in the Super Bowl or maybe not even in the playoffs, but you know, if they're able to hang around and make make this race interesting once it gets down to the end of the season, that's going to be something that's really big for the commanders and to know that maybe they have a guy in Sam Howell. Uh, and then the last team, number, most surprising team by far for me is the Bucks. I expected this team to, you know, maybe be even 0-2 in these first two games. You know, we thought Chicago was going to be a little bit better than what they were, so maybe don't look at that victory as much. But winning in Minnesota is a big one. Uh, and Baker finding a way to do it when he has – this offense that had Tom Brady last year and couldn't get it done, and all they really did was just throw him in there, you would think it would have gone down, down, downhill. And it was a rough year for them as last, last year as well, too. But Bucks got it done. And them being 2-0 right now in a division that I would say is wide open, 
but has the ability to, I would say winnable, but, you know, wild cardable in the NFC in general with how weak some of these teams are. The Buccaneers are, are my most surprising team through two weeks of football. What about the disappointing sides together? We got to talk about the three that have been just not up to our standards so far. My number three most disappointing team so far this season is going to be the Bears. They suck, man. Justin Fields looks just as bad as Zach Wilson did last week and, and throughout the season, too. And, and it doesn't get talked about the same way. Um, I like the way they've been running the ball. Roshan Johnson's had some good plays so far. That's my guy. Uh, he needs to get the ball more, 100%. Um, but they need to find some more offensive minds. The defensive-minded head coach, Matt Eberflus, is just not clicking with Justin Fields right now. Uh, Eberflus is going to be on the hot seat, 100%. We've seen this with the defensive head coaches. Um, Rob Sala hasn't been able to get it done with Zach Wilson either. Mentioned it. It's just not the same. All right. God, getting myself upset over Zach Wilson again. Let's move on. Uh, number two, how about the Chargers? Oh, and two. Um, Justin Herbert hasn't been bad, but he wants to be in the, this category of elite quarterbacks. And he hasn't won very many games yet over his career. I, I believe his numbers are comparable to Matt Castle and Mark Sanchez when I was looking at the numbers yesterday, which is, I'm not even joking. <laughs> it's, it's, I know, it's, just it's pretty funny, man. Um, but this, this seems too good to be 0-2. Uh, and now Eckler's hurt. They might miss the playoffs. It sucks. Uh, and number one's the Bungles, though. So, I mean, I know Burrow's got the calf injury, but you can't lose to Baltimore at home. That's ridiculous. 0-2 for the second straight season. Um, you can't keep getting away with this. It's not going to keep falling in your lap, the home playoff games, you know, from starting off terribly. And Baltimore's back. They're not necessarily healthy, but they're healthier than last season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my three, I left the Bears off my list just because they're the fucking Bears. But I guess if I had an honorable mention, they'd be on here. Uh, my number three most disappointing team would be the Chargers. I think, I mean, these are two winnable games that they've played. Miami at home and at Tennessee. I know you don't have Austin Eckler for the second one, which is kind of why I'm a three spot and not the, you know, number two or number one. But winning close or not having the ability to win close games for like third or fourth straight year is just so crazy to me and to have just Brandon Staley just still be the coach of this team is ridiculous he needs to be fired I know you know there's whole thing that the players back him and whatnot well maybe ownership shouldn't back him I mean you're not winning games with him you made the playoffs last year but you blew like a 30 point lead against Jacksonville like it's this team isn't isn't going to do anything with them. And that's the, the sad truth for Charger fans. It's the happy truth for me because I like to see this team in the ground as a Raider fan. But, I mean, you're wasting Justin Herbert's career while having a guy like this as, as head coach. Next up, number two most disappointing team is the New York Giants. This team looks terrible. I know you won a game last week. Uh, and that's kind of the main thing that we talk about with teams is finding a way to win when you need to get it done. And I know they did against the Cardinals, but the key point there, it's the fucking Cardinals. Like you should be handling this team just fine. And even if you, you know, have it close, have it be where you're up by 10 and they allow a touchdown late in the game to make it a three point victory or something like that, like a garbage time touchdown, but having to come back in this fashion, 
Like, come on now, Giants. You got shit on last weekend. You're going to get shit on on Thursday night against the Niners. We all know that's going to happen. You're going to be one and two, and you're behind the eight ball because everybody else in your division is two and oh. And that's going to make it really tough for the Giants to get into the playoffs this year. And that's one of the main reasons why they haven't been in the playoffs this year. My number one most disappointing team, though, is also the Bengals. I mean, this team so consistently at the top of the – not at the top, but near the top of the AFC. And to start off 0-2, last year was fine because the division wasn't as strong. We saw injuries from Lamar. We saw you know Watson be suspended for most of the years. Kenny Pickett being a rookie QB. But the division isn't that easy this year. You know, the Ravens are 2-0. The Steelers are 1-1. And so are the Browns. But the Browns' victory is over you guys. And the Steelers, I mean, fuck, they'd probably beat the Bengals right now. This division isn't as much of a cakewalk as what it has been in these past few years where you don't need to, you know, win a, a crazy amount of games to get into the playoffs. You're going to need 13 to probably win this division, at least 12, that's for sure. And starting off 0-2, is not the way to do it. Only 27 points in those two games as well, too. It's, it's pretty nuts. But those are my three most disappointing teams. I'll let you go ahead and get right. your Heisman watch and stuff that you got here. Yeah, start off second half here with the Heisman watch. I got five here. Let's start from the bottom. Number five, Quinn Ewers dropping down a little bit in, in stock. Not much versus Wyoming, but no turnovers, and they won by three scores, so he's going to stay in the loop here. Number four, bumping up to the list, Shadur Sanders, Colorado. Four touchdowns, 98-yard comeback, overtime win against Colorado State. He's making the list. Number three, another Pac-12 guy. Imagine. Bo Nix from Oregon, a three-touchdown performance against Hawaii. They're going to be playing against Colorado, a must-watch game, especially for Heisman. Number two, Caleb Williams, USC quarterback. He had a bye week, um, crushed Stanford a couple weeks ago. They're going to play Arizona State, so they should have no problem there. And still at the top, oh, the Pac-12 is running college football this year, Kyle. We got Michael Penix Jr. I think after another performance with 400-plus yards, four touchdowns, this was on the road against Michigan State. They crushed them by 40 points. And Michael Penix is my leader for the Heisman. Uh, Must-watch game. You're going to want to watch number six, Ohio State, at number nine, Notre Dame. That is all. That's the college football because we're running out of time here. But, hey, we'll talk about more next week. Yeah, we go. moving into our bets. It was perfect last week for us. It was another solid week for us as well, too. A profitable week. We'll say that. Uh, my layup was New Orleans minus three versus Carolina. That ended up pushing. Uh, Skyler had Cincinnati minus three and a half versus Baltimore. Unfortunately, that did not hit. This week, I'm taking the Niners minus nine and a half at home on Thursday night against a Saquon-less New York Giants team. Should be a blowout victory for the Niners. I'm going back to college football for the layup here. I'm taking the number 16 Oklahoma Sooners to cover 14 and a half points on the road against Cincinnati. Remember, Kyle, Luke Fickle's gone. He's in Wisconsin. Cincinnati just lost at home to Miami of Ohio. Oklahoma should be fine here. Yeah. Moving in last week for the bold predictions, I had the Tennessee Titans over the Chargers. It was, I believe, a three-point dog there. And, of course, they got the job done in overtime. Skyler had Atlanta over Green Bay. I got the job done as well, too. So two for two for bold predictions this week. Four for four if you want to go back to last week as well, too. This week I have two picks because why not? Let's do it. Uh, I have New Orleans over Green Bay. Uh, Green Bay is currently two-and-a-half-point favorites. I think they'll be just fine in, in Green Bay and New Orleans should be able to hold a victory there. And then I also have the Monday night football game. J- 
Joe Burrow could be out. I'm banking on it. Give me the Rams two and a half point dogs right now. And I think they get the victory. I like that. That's a good one. I, hey, if, if there's some kind of parlay action this weekend in the party, let me know. Cause I, I like where your head's at, but I'm going to do something very similar to what you did last week. I'm taking Tennessee as a road dog here against Cleveland. Cleveland's going to be shocked about what just happened on Monday. Short week, Tennessee has a great coach. You know they're going to be ready to go gameplay-wise, game plan. Tough to run the ball, too, against Tennessee. Mm-hmm. That's what they do. Yes, sir. And like the picks there. Yeah, we got it done when we needed to get it done with uh, about six minutes left in the meeting. So if we wanted to ramble it out, we could, but we're not going to. Uh, we'll see you next week for episode 159, getting close to 162. How about that? Almost an MLB season. Hey, uh, by the way, uh, something we haven't talked about yet, Aaron Rodgers with the speed bridge surgery with a possible quicker recovery than we thought. Uh, again, yeah, we'll I, I'm see. not saying that he's coming back for any playoff action. Coming back week four. Maybe if we trade for Kirk Cousins. But uh, <laughs> then why would you need Rodgers to rush back? You know, it's, yeah. it's we're in fantasy land over here and. And uh, at MetLife, JetLife Stadium. Uh, All yeah. right. You know, I, I, I just wish my guy a great recovery. Yeah. We'll That'll do it. Next week. Next week. Probably going to do the same thing over again uh, with another headline. So oh, yeah. we'll see how that goes. Hopefully, people stay healthy this week, man. What the fuck? Stay healthy. Come on. Absolutely. Kenny Pickett. See how you do. Fuck no. That sucks. <laughs>